Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Your physical surroundings impact you in ways you might not even realize. Uh, and they, it did for me because my clutter, my closet, all of that stuff was just this constant reminder of my debt and discontent and when it was gone, the, the guilt went with it, the uh, frustration or the sadness or whatever it was, you know, all the emotion that I had wrapped up in my stuff, that went out the door with the stuff. It just was this, felt like an almost immediate solution. And uh, then we were just crazy about it and decluttering to the point where we had empty rooms in our house. And finally, uh, we had too much house and sold the house and downsized into an apartment less than half the size of our house. And now we're just vigilant about uh, the stuff that we bring in because we know how destructive it can be, even though it seems pretty innocuous, just kind of hanging out. But it really is... Uh, destructive to your thought process. I think even how you treat each other, you know, if you walk in the house after a long day and you're tired and there's crap all over the kitchen counter and a pile of laundry and whatever else there is, it gets to you. But if you come home after that same day and there is space and uh, some clear countertops and the things that you really enjoy surrounding you, I think that just adds this layer of calm to what may have been uh, chaos. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Courtney, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be chatting with you. Yeah, it is really cool to have you here. So, you know, it's funny because you and I were just talking about the fact that we've exchanged tweets. We've known of each other for um, many years, and I know that you've even listened to the show. Uh, but I really wasn't aware of the full extent of your story until I, you know, got to see the interview that you did with uh, the folks who, who produced the minimalism documentary. And right when I saw that, I thought, oh, my God, I'm like, we need to talk to Courtney. She has a very, very important message um, that I think people need to hear. But before we get there, um, I want to start by asking you, what is the most important thing that you learned either from a parent or teacher growing up that has profoundly influenced your life? Let's start with an easy question. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I've recently been thinking about a lot of the lessons that I've learned uh, growing up and throughout my life, and there have been so many, but probably right from the get-go would be uh, the lesson that I learned from my dad in that if I wanted to work for myself or do something that I was crazy about or follow a different path, I could because he did that in opening up his own restaurants when I was 11, 12, I guess I was probably 12 or 13. Uh, and then continuing even beyond that to follow crazy paths by uh, moving to Saudi Arabia to open Italian restaurants. Uh, the just things that it seemed so crazy, but to watch his journey that came back to me many years later when it was time for me to go out on my own and do something that felt a little crazy. So, you know, I, I, I look at sort of two sort of cultural narratives that come around this one is, you know, don't do something crazy, do what's stable, do, you know, what's secure and, and, you know, make sure that you have a good life. Another is, is the, you know, the one that you've shared with us. And, uh, two questions come from that. You know, what do you say to parents who are listening to this, having been raised with that kind of narrative? Um, and especially parents who that they themselves were not raised with that kind of narrative. Well, I think the, what, again, another lesson that I've really learned is that all of that stability that we think we have, we don't, we, we kind of create this story around what stability looks like, you know, if it's a regular paycheck or, benefits or having a location to go to every day for your job, but it's just a story. It's no more stable than what we do now for ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has become increasingly clear to me. Hmm. Um, so another question that has come up, you know, and this is something I've asked a handful of people. It seems like the people who are able to sort of blaze unconventional trails have this ability to overcome um, social programming, you know, sort of what is expected of them. And I am really, really curious why you think some people are able to do that and some are not. That's a great question. It, it has a lot to do with the willingness to try and to prove yourself right or wrong. I don't think any of us are, are, are programmed to be super comfortable with an unconventional path. But even if we can just take one tiny step and really kind of peek in and see, is this possible? Uh, also, just by being influenced by other people's stories. I mean, for me, I, I really love the idea of, you know, if, if this has been accomplished, why couldn't I accomplish it? So to hear from someone else going through it, I think really is helpful. But it's, it's just that willingness to want to take one small step and just to give it a try and see if there's any um, potential. You know, it's interesting for you to mention, you know, hearing um, somebody else's story. I think that the people that we surround ourselves with have such a, an impact that we're even unaware of it at certain points. Like you, you look at, you know, I, like I look at the conversations I have with my business partner, Brian, and, you know, we talk about some lofty goal, something just crazy ambitious and out there. And, and his sort of default response is, of course, you'll accomplish that. Why wouldn't you? 
Um, you know, whereas, you know, if you're around even your own parents, sometimes they, you know, unknowingly and, and unintentionally, they sort of, you know, put this sort of subconscious seed in your head that, oh, okay, that sounds really nice, but, you know, be realistic about it. Um, and it's something I, I'm noticing more and more as I, as I talk to people about community and, and the people that you surround yourself with and, and what an important thing that is. Absolutely. And I think all of those messages of be realistic, are you really, you know, considering the facts, the people that, that are trying to help you, they mean well, but are potentially holding you back, that message they're giving you is really just a message for themselves. I don't think that it's in any way a, a sign of them not believing in you, but they are scared for themselves. Mm-hmm. So, Tell me about sort of um, this experience of, of growing up all over the world. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you spent time in Saudi Arabia. I'm curious, are there other countries that you have, have spent time in? And also, you know, how is being exposed to different cultures um, kind of shaped your perspective on life and, and what's important? Yeah, I should back up a little bit. I wasn't actually in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Uh, so my uh, my dad started his own uh, restaurant when I was about 13, but it wasn't until I was in my 20s that uh, my parents relocated and and moved, so I didn't go with them. I didn't uh, visit there, but I most of the travel I've done has actually been in the last uh, ten years, really. Mm-hmm. And I traveled quite a bit growing up, but I never lived outside of uh, the U.S. Uh, my mom was a travel agent, so we got to do some fun trips. But uh, traveling for my own business and pleasure and having family now live all around the world. My sister actually lives in the Middle East. She's in Doha and my parents live in Italy. So while I still live in the U.S., uh, I do get to travel quite a bit now, which is fantastic. And to be able to, well, maybe not be immersed for long periods of time in other cultures, but just to spend time and see, you know, what a big place the world is in terms of cultural differences and how people live and what they think uh, has added so much value to my life and really made me step back and say, okay, these these things I'm telling myself about what is is real and not real is just this little tiny corner of my world, of the world. And there's just so many there are so many possibilities and, and viewpoints and ideas. It's kind of exciting. Hmm. So walk me through sort of um, how you go from, you know, uh, childhood, like college to wh- whatever has happened in your life to this whole concept of be more with less and like where this idea emerged from. Sure. It really started or, or my life really made this big pivot in 2006. And um, just to back up, everything seemed pretty normal and traditional for me up until that point where I uh, got my first credit card uh, just about the day I stepped on a college campus for the first time and started working my way into a tremendous amount of debt with both credit cards and student loans and anything else that was available, car loans, I kind of bounced around in college. I started off in uh, art and did a little bit of communications and went back to art. But by the time I I was leaving and looking for a quote-unquote real job, I was so deep in debt that choosing what I wanted to do wasn't on the table. It was really about 
you know, what am I going to do to make ends meet? How will I pay the bills? And sales was the obvious choice to me. It just looked like, you know, there's an opportunity where I could really make some money. And I completely disregarded the idea of choosing something that I love or that I was really interested in or passionate about, just something that I could be good at and make money in. And I was very good at, at selling things and working in sales. And it did help to make ends meet. But as soon as the ends were met, I would just overspend. And because I was working so hard, I felt like I deserved to be uh, rewarded for that. And so I rewarded myself with great vacations and nice cars and more spending and more making ends meet and being very busy and stressed out and climbing the ladder. Again, it all seemed very normal to me, mm-hmm. but it was very stressful. And in 2006, kind of in the, the height of all of this, I got sick. I uh, was struggling with vertigo and fatigue and like really weird symptoms like tingling in my face and my hands. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. My doctor thought maybe I had an ear infection or that I was just really, you know, overworked and stressed out like the rest of the world. And I kept going back to doctors and taking, doing tests and neurological exams. And while this was all happening, I should mention that I was training for a fundraiser event, a bike event in Salt Lake City to raise money for uh, the National Multiple Sclerosis Society and was getting ready to do this big ride. But I had such bad vertigo that I couldn't ride my bike during the last couple of months of training. And just before uh, the race, I was diagnosed with MS myself. And while I don't think that all of that excess and craziness and doing work that you know wasn't really my choice or I didn't think it was my choice. Uh, while I don't think that caused the MS, I think it all exacerbated the symptoms and made the disease flare and, and brought me to this tremendous wake-up call. And it was in those couple of months post-diagnosis that I decided to make some really big changes. And while I didn't call them simplicity at the time, uh, it, it was my goal to reduce as much stress as possible and eliminate as much stress as possible from my life so that I could live well with MS. And with all the changes I was making, it became clear pretty quick that what I was doing was simplifying. And so a few years later in uh, 2010, uh, that's when I began to share my story of healing and simplifying and creating something better for myself and my family uh, with Be More With Less. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's interesting because um, so many of the stories that I hear uh, on this show are often the result of some sort of wake-up call. Um, and that wake-up call always seems to come in the form of something seemingly terrible on the surface that ends up really kind of transforming the quality of somebody's life uh, for the better. And 
you know, I, I, I'm not sure that I have yet to find an answer to this question because maybe there isn't an answer to it, but do you think that that kind of a wake-up call is necessary for change to occur? And, and why is it that so many people actually sit around and nothing changes until that kind of wake-up call? The wake-up call was necessary for me, and it had to be a really loud one because I know there were wake-up calls before that I just, they were easy enough to dismiss. But I don't think everyone has to have that wake-up call, especially now that all the people that have had wake-up calls are saying, look, this is what you can avoid if you start asking these questions of yourself now before this happens. Mm -hmm. But I do think the wake-up call definitely uh, encourages change and you know, while it seems weird to say, I'm grateful that I had that wake up call and that I have MS because it keeps me on my game. I mean, I am constantly questioning and experimenting and, and just taking responsibility and ownership of the decisions that I make now. You know, I think the other, the other sort of interesting thing is that you talked about sort of working a job that you hate to pay off debt. And, um, you know, I, I've talked a little bit about this before on the, on the podcast. I mean, I, I still have my student loan debt. And I, I kind of – I remember you sort of being at this very pivotal decision point. I think in, in 2009, I'd found a job after six months of searching. And two weeks in, I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing exactly what I went to business school to avoid doing. I'm like, I didn't spend money on, on take out student loans and get in this much debt to spend my life, you know, doing something I can't stand. And it was one of the, the, the tougher choices I made to say, okay, you know what, I will, you know – I, I'm willing to give up, you know, paying this off as quickly as possible in order to do something that I actually enjoy and have the potential to thrive at, as opposed to spending my life doing something that I'm average at in order to basically get to my life and only have accomplished paying off debt. Um, and, you know, having made similar choices, I'm, I'm very curious kind of what you say to people who feel that they are trapped. Yeah, well, the sad part was I wasn't even trying to pay off the debt. I was just trying to make the payments. Mm -hmm. So get it, becoming debt-free wasn't that interesting to me in the beginning because I, for a while, did feel trapped. And I had this mentality like, well, my credit score already sucks and I'm already so far in debt. What's another $200 or what's another you know, purchase or what's another vacation? It, does, it just didn't matter to me mm. as long as I could keep you know, making ends meet, which I wasn't doing. But it felt like I was because I could make those minimum payments. And so for people, because I actually get that a lot, you know, now that I'm on the other side of debt, we're completely debt free. Uh, it, it is a, when someone is just starting out, they often think not all people, but some people, you know, how could I do this? Because I am already working full time. I have a mortgage. I have kids. Like, I'm stuck here. This is my life. And I can only respond because I've been in that situation. I was there, too. I was deep in debt with, you know, all the cards, the cars, the house mortgage, uh, the just crazy expenses, student loans forever. Uh, and I just know you can, it, you can start. You can start. And you can start by, you know, cutting off the, the spending, for instance. So yes, you're still going to have your mortgage and your debt payments, but you are not trapped. That's, you're not trapped. There is always a, a step you can take or a, something. And believe me, I have felt trapped for a really long time. Uh, 
but there is a way there's just a way and you can start and it's not going to be overnight and it's not going to be easy and it's not always going to be fun, but it's not miserable yeah. for starters. And on the other side of it, it's just that there's not a, a day that goes by that I'm not grateful that I went through that. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So I want to really do a deep dive into this whole idea of, of more with less. Um, because, you know, watching that documentary made me think about sort of even just looking at my own sort of bedroom. You know, I thought 
everything in here should be something that I absolutely love. And I, I think the, the thing that's interesting is that often people get this sort of narrative in their head around minimalism that it's all about the number of possessions that you own. And, you know, I, I think it's always amusing that people are just like, oh, I'm trying to get to the point where I only have X number of things. And it's kind of like, well, I, I think that, miss, you, you know, really misses the point. It's that the things in your life should add joy to it and you don't need excess. Um, but I, I'm very curious kind of, you know, what a starting point is for all of this. I mean, I, I want to look at it through the lens of sort of a more practical application and then, you know, talk about what is the impact on your life. I'm very aware of the impact of, of you know, what your physical environment does to you. So um, I'm very curious kind of what, you know, what your perspective on all of this is. Sure. I thought it was so cool how the minimalism film documented that there's no one right way to do this. I mean, they, they shared stories of people from all different walks of life and different life circumstances. And I mean, I don't think anywhere in there uh, was, you know, this, this person's the most minimalist because (laughs) they only have 10 things. Yeah. Uh, but it's really finding finding what's right for you. And uh, I mean, for me, we went from a 2,000 square foot home. This is where, where it all started for us. We were in a house uh, kind of in the suburbs of Salt Lake City. And we had the house and a garage and a storage shed in the backyard. And had moved a ton of stuff a couple of years before out from the East coast stuff that was still in boxes that we had never even looked at that that stuff was kind of in the, uh, the rafters of the garage, but it never really occurred to me to let it go. It was my stuff. And I just have been collecting it for my whole life. And I'm just going to carry it with me wherever I go because I might need it someday or because it's mine or because I worked so hard for it. And when I started eliminating the clutter, you know, that was a, a probably six or eight months after my MS diagnosis, where I really started identifying clutter as stress and started to eliminate it. You know, it started with just a simple pass through the house. You know, anything that I didn't really care about or use or think about, I would just put in a box and donate it. And then when it got down to, you know, the stuff that I thought I would need someday or the, the stuff that I thought I cared about and I didn't, it was so freeing to keep letting go. So I wasn't really that focused on the stuff, you know, what do I love? What do I want to surround my life with? I just wanted to get rid of the stuff that didn't matter. Mm. Uh, But what happened was when I did that, I could really focus on the things that did. And you're right, your physical surroundings impact you in ways you might not even realize. Uh, and they, it did for me because my clutter, my closet, all of that stuff was just this constant reminder of my debt and discontent. And when it was gone, the, the guilt went with it, the uh, frustration or the sadness or whatever it was, you know, all the emotion that I had wrapped up in my stuff, that went out the door with the stuff. It just was this, felt like, an almost immediate solution. And uh, then we were just crazy about it and decluttering to the point where we had empty rooms in our house. And finally, uh, we had too much house and sold the house and downsized into an apartment less than half the size of our house. And now we're just vigilant about uh, the stuff that we bring in because we know how destructive it can be, even though it seems pretty 
innocuous, just kind of hanging out, but it really is uh, destructive to your thought process. I think even how you treat each other, you know, if you walk in the house after a long day and you're tired and there's crap all over the kitchen counter and a pile of laundry and whatever else there is, it gets to you. But if you come home after that same day and there is space and uh, some clear countertops and the things that you really enjoy surrounding you, I think that just adds this layer of calm to what may have been uh, chaos earlier. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you've heard it. We did an episode uh, with a podcast guest named Jim Bunch where he talks about the nine environments that make up your life and how everything in your life, you know, the people you surround yourself with, your physical space, like, you know, the put things you put into your body, everything you listen to is an environment. And each one of those things is either adding or draining energy from your life. And, you know, your physical space is probably one of the easiest ones to, to change. I mean, I, I can totally relate to what you're saying because I'm sitting in the room that I'm recording this in and I just moved into a, a new apartment. And there's very little stuff in here. Like I, everything in here is here because I want it to be. Like I have a bookshelf and all the books are books that I absolutely love. I have a, a nightstand. I'm like, but for the most part, you go into my closet and you might think I'm a serial killer because I have five <laughs> black shirts, two pairs of jeans, a dress shirt, a sports coat, and then snowboarding gear. You know, and that's about it. I was kind of like, and I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, I may, might need one other dress shirt and I have two pairs of shoes and then, you know, socks and underwear. And beyond that, I'm kind of like, wow, this is, I, I was kind of blown away by, by how, how different it is to not have so much stuff like moving is, is way easier. Um, and, and you know, the, the five black t-shirts thing, I'm kind of like, okay, these are, you know, they're not so lame that nobody noticed people notice that I'm wearing the same thing every day. And they're not so distinctive that, you know, people pay attention. It, it's kind of just an afterthought. Um, but I, w I really have been blown away by it. Um, in, in terms of just how much better it is for my overall thought process and, and my ability to focus on, on actually doing what I want to do, which is my creative work. Exactly. And it eliminates that whole decision fatigue thing. Like, Oh, what am I going to wear? And then, I mean, I remember mornings where I would spend a half hour trying to figure out what I was going to wear. I'd try on three different things and then still be worried that it wasn't the right thing. <laughs> and why? I mean, why did I do that? I don't know. But that wears your brain down for sure. Yeah. So eliminating that in, in not only your closet, but other areas of your home definitely frees up that, I think, that creative energy and focus. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, for anybody who really wants to increase their creativity or productivity, this is, uh, it's one of those sort of innocuous things, you don't realize how um, powerful it can be if you do it. And then once you do it, you're kind of amazed at, at the impact that it actually has on your work. Absolutely, I have found that to be true. And when I'm working on, you know, very specific creative projects, not just the day to day stuff, but if I have a bigger project, I'll really be aware of what I'm saying yes to and no to. And I probably say no to a lot more during that time because I know how powerful it is to be able to give more of your resources to one thing versus trying to still pick away a little bit at everything. It doesn't work. Yeah. Well, um, I... I want to talk about um, the three through three project because I remember coming across that thinking, wow, that's pretty awesome. I don't think I even have 33 things, uh, surprisingly. Uh, but I, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that. And then I want to actually talk about your digital habits and your just daily sort of creative habits because I'm really curious what those look like. 
Sure. So the uh, Project 333 is a minimalist fashion challenge that I created in 2010. And typically my approach to change is slow and steady, one thing at a time, slow and steady. But my closet had to be an exception because it was so crazy in there. And I knew the slow and steady approach was not going to fly. And so I created this challenge to dress with only 33 items or less for three months. And those items included clothes, jewelry, accessories, and shoes. And for someone like you, that wouldn't be a big challenge. For someone, <laughs> for someone like me, it felt like, how is this possibly going to happen? I probably had 33 pairs of shoes. Uh-huh. And... But I really just wanted to see what it was going to be like without making this huge commitment to, you know, get rid of all my clothes. This way, I picked my 33 items and then I just boxed everything else up and and waited to see what happened. And I was terrified for the, the two days before it was happening because I was working full time then and in sales. So I was meeting with clients and working with colleagues and always with people going to community events. And I thought, Oh my gosh, people are going to notice. I'm not going to be able to do it. And I wrote about it on my blog. So I thought now I definitely have to do it. I've got some accountability here. And within a week of doing it, I thought I, I'm never going to stop doing this. It is, it changed everything. My mornings became so much easier. Uh, no one noticed that was uh, quite a reality slap. Like no one cares what I'm wearing (laughs) at all. Uh, No one noticed I was doing it. And I just felt so much better. I was spending less money. I wasn't paying attention to sales or things that were happening in uh, retail. And I haven't stopped doing it. It's now been more than six years. I still dress with 33 items or less. um, And while I'm not, uh, don't think that number 33 really matters. Like mm-hmm. if your number is 35 or 23 or 50, uh, just being able to experiment with dressing with less uh, is there. There's just there are things to be learned about your energy and your time and how much attention you really give to your clothing. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, one of the the other things that I have uh, really kind of been paying attention to is the the notion of, of you know when you get rid of clutter, you start to make space for the other things that are truly important in your life. And even if you don't know what those things are going to be, suddenly that open space creates possibility that wasn't there before in a very sort of strange and new agey way. And I'm I'm about as far as it gets from you know new age and spiritual, uh, like. But the thing that I think what really has been interesting to see, you know, and I, come, I came across this in a book my sister recommended to me called Calling in the One. And she said, how many dressers do you have? I said, one. And she said, that means you don't have space for a woman in your life. <laughs> I thought, you know, and I thought that was really, she said, and so I, I, I bought the book after my sister said that to me because it, you know, it took me back to the conversation we had about, oh, everything in your life is an environment. And, you know, I've, I've noticed over and over and over, and I'm curious if this has been the case in your life or, you know, the people that are in your community. Somehow, when we clear up space for you clear things you don't want out of your life, a lot of the things that you do want, even things that you weren't expecting start to show up. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think that's definitely true because and maybe they were showing up before, but 
and I don't mean this in a woo woo way because <laughs> I'm, I'm not either. Yeah. Uh, but I think you weren't paying attention before or you couldn't pay attention because that you didn't have the bandwidth. Mm-hmm. So I think now when those things start to appear, now that I have the space and time and energy to pay attention to them, I'm able to take advantage of them where before, and I'm not talking about material things, but, but now I, but before I, I didn't even notice they were there and I have a feeling that they were there. They were, there were opportunities uh, for me that I couldn't begin to pay attention to before. Mm -hmm. And so I think about that a lot too. And like you said, uh, once you have that, that space and time, you can start to really ask yourself questions you can start to get to know yourself a little bit better and to trust yourself. And that doesn't happen when you are just on the fly all the time and kind of on autopilot. You're just trusting that all of these little pieces you sort of put in place by default are going to keep you standing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a scary place to be. You know, I think the the notion of, of default is really interesting to me because I, I recently wrote a piece on Medium titled "The Art of Living Deliberately and Designing Your Life," and it was actually inspired by the the minimalism documentary. And I think the the thing that I, I realized was that everything in my physical environment is a deliberate choice. Um, and if it's not, I begin to question why it's there. And then I, you know, my other sort of um, filter has been what one of my friend my friend Charmaine Hayworth has told me. She said. Anytime, you know, we'll, sometimes I'll go shopping with her to buy something. And she's like, if you don't absolutely love it, do not buy this. I'm like, wow, that's really simple. That just kind of makes, you know, it, it's amazing how much your conspicuous consumption goes down when that's your filter. Absolutely. But we know we don't take that time to yeah. ask those questions. So when once we do, yeah, you and then you finally realize that you have a choice in so many things that you didn't know you had a choice in mm-hmm. or you forgot you had a choice. So I know in um, in the documentary, one of the things that you actually said was that you have been symptom free um, and even in better health than prior to getting diagnosed after um, sort of taking this approach to life. I'm curious, what have been some of the other unexpected surprises that have uh, been the result of this way of living, both in your life and the lives of people you've seen that have taken this approach? Unexpected surprises. So unexpected surprises of living with less at first of course I was really focused on uh, my health and I still am. But when I really started getting interested in the decluttering part, I thought the benefits were going to be things like, you know, clean bookshelves or empty drawers, things like that. Uh, And an unexpected benefit for us was definitely a a major downsize. Um, Putting our daughter through college debt-free that was a, a huge benefit and a surprise. We never anticipated being able to do that. Uh, I laugh more. There's no doubt about that. I think I'm much nicer to be around. Uh, honestly, I actually recently had someone reach out to me that I hadn't heard from a few, for many years, someone that I used to work with. And she said, I just want to apologize if... Uh, I ever offended you when we were working together or for not being better to you. And I always remembered her as being very pleasant, but I thought back to that time in my life and I wasn't that nice. 
when I was at work. I mean, it was about work and about numbers and dollars and deadlines. And I didn't, I probably didn't treat her very well. And I responded to her and let her know that I didn't remember anything happening between us, but I'm sorry too, if, if it came across like that. Uh, but now that I'm doing things that I really, really love and get to wake up and be excited about work, that's a huge benefit. That never would have happened uh, if we hadn't given up the the debt and the stuff and the spending and the, the craziness, the busyness. Mm. And from people that I hear from, other people, uh, uh, just, just in regards to Project 333, so only if they're only simplifying their closet, things like um, improvement in anxiety and depression, um, improving relationships, really big, major things that came from something as simple as wearing fewer clothes or less in your closet. It's it, that surprised me. That really surprised me. And to think it's just these, these little experiments and, and just getting rid of, you know, not everything, but a few things at a time, um, has such amazing benefits. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely have noticed, I mean, I, I tend towards anxiety, so I've noticed that the less stuff that is in my life, um, you know, coming at me from all directions, you know, whether it's in my digital space or my physical space, I'm kind of like just a, a different person when uh, when it's not all there. Like, it just drastically reduces anxiety. So that actually raises a question about what your sort of uh, digital habits are like and um, how, you, how you sort of take this approach to, to uh, the digital habits and, and what impact that has. Yeah, I bounce around a little bit on this uh, because if, for instance, if I'm doing something specific for my business that requires more attention or sometimes when I travel, I get off track and get kind of immersed in the digital part of things. But I really try to be aware of how much time I'm spending online and to have some good boundaries in place because without rules or boundaries, at least for me, whether it's around the digital or around food or around whatever, I am, I can easily get off track. I really like having boundaries. And so for instance, I don't check my email in the morning, uh, until after uh, I do a good morning routine. I really do my best not to be online in the evenings and I try to take a big chunk of my day to be completely unplugged and whether that's you know going for a walk or reading or writing or doing something that has nothing to do with a computer I'd like to have uh, spans of time every single day and then a longer span of time every week uh, to be completely unplugged And then when I am on, I just like to be intentional with what I'm doing. So if it's, if I'm going to do email, that's what I'm going to do. If I'm going to do some updates on Facebook, I'm going to spend an hour doing that. I'm not going to have Facebook, Twitter, email, and 10 blogs open in my, (laughs) at the same time and try to switch back and forth because I'm terrible at that back and forth. Uh So that's probably uh, overall. And then sometimes I'll do experiments with, you know, I only check email once a day or once every other day. 
uh, or I won't do any social media for a few days or something like that just to kind of reset. Uh, I try to keep most things off my phone because I find that the phone for me is just checking. It's not acting on. And why am I checking email if I'm not going to respond to it? All I'm doing is, <laughs> is filling my brain with all these things to think about, which the majority of, of email I find is not time sensitive. Yeah. And what's happened uh, as a surprising benefit of not checking very frequently is oftentimes someone will email me with an issue. And then if I don't respond within 24 hours, they'll have figured out the issue. So, and then they'll respond and say, never mind, I figured it out. <laughs> so I'm like, well, maybe there's something to this every 24 to 48 hour response. I like the every 24, 24 to 48 hours. I kind of, you know, I, I struggle with that myself. And I, it's funny because I'm writing a book about this exact process. And, and there are moments when I'm like, why can't I follow my own damn advice? Um, you know, it, the reason I asked about the digital habits is because it's so fresh on my mind. And I, I've, I've noticed just a, a profound difference when you when you reduce the amount of sort of noise in your life. Um, it, it's amazing what it does, not just for your productivity, I think, but for your overall state of mind. And I think the email thing in particular is, is really interesting. I think that the, the thing that really struck me about what you said is that you're intentional about all of it. And so often when we do this, we're not intentional. We're just kind of, you know, programmed to, to automatically respond to whatever is, you know, whatever stimulus comes our way. Definitely. And that really goes back to that default thing. Like now I'm not running my day anymore. I'm not, whoever emailed me is running my day, mm-hmm. but that's my choice to let them or not. Yeah. At the same time, of course, I want to be responsive and, respectful and grateful for the email that's coming. But I think that there, we have to put boundaries around it and manage it in a way that allows us to best serve ourselves and others. Hmm. So two last questions for you. Um, one is uh, on book recommendations. I'm curious if there are books that have profoundly influenced your life that you would recommend to our audience uh, that you think people should read. So many books. This could be a long list. No, uh, so one book that I, I really enjoyed that ha- helped me with my digital habits as well as some others um, is Essentialism. Uh-huh. By Greg uh, McEwen. Yes. Yeah. Great, great read. Uh, I loved uh, Joshua Becker's book, The More of Less, that came out last year. Uh, the Whole 30 is a book that I highly recommend if you want to get anything going around uh, food and how it impacts your health. A great challenge and an amazing book by Melissa Hartwig. Uh, And she's written a couple of other books as well supporting that. I think there's one called Food Freedom Forever that just came out. Uh, I have as many uh, experiments as I do around my stuff in digital, I do it around food as well. I think it's one of the most powerful changes we can make to change uh, how we feel, um, both physically and mentally and emotionally. Uh, it makes all the difference. So there's a few to start. So I have one last question, which I'm sure you've heard me ask since I know you listen to the show. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Someone is unmistakable to me when they really begin to own their story and also consider the idea that it's not finished. 
and they can change it anytime they want. That to me really makes someone uh, stand out and I connect with them immediately. Hmm. Well, this has been uh, really, really thought provoking and uh, insightful as I expected it would be. And uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share this with our listeners. Thank you right back. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.